Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Ellie Runkles. She is a sales and launch copywriter for creative entrepreneurs. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you, Ellie. Welcome so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to dig in today. Yeah, absolutely. And you're based out of Madrid, right? Yeah, that's right. I am originally from the U.S., from Texas, but I live and run my business in Spain. Very cool. And I know because I've been a client of yours in the past that you can help people wherever they are on the globe, which is very cool with today's technology. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, it, my clients are all over the world. Most of them are based in the U.S., but I kind of, I've worked with people from all over. Uh, surprisingly, not too many clients from Spain, um, which is interesting but, because most of my clients were working like, virtually. But yeah, it, people all over the world, which is fun. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us how you started in this very specific niche and how you kind of had this love for words. Yeah, so I I think for most of us, the kind of journey to entrepreneurship journey to our businesses is pretty winding. Um, I like I've always known that I didn't want to like take a traditional career path. Like I was not interested in like getting a nine to five, like climbing the corporate ladder after graduating from college. So I basically, I decided to move to Spain to avoid all of that with no real plan. Um, And then it's just been kind of a long winding road from there to get where I am. Um, I ended up doing a master's degree in digital marketing. And that's kind of what led to this business that I have now. Um, But that was just kind of a, a long and winding road of figuring out that you know, I, this is, I know what I don't want. And then it just kind of led into, into what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's amazing how much clarity we get when we eliminate the things that we don't want. Yeah, exactly. And, and then it, it's a combination of that. And then just kind of being open to whatever comes your way and taking opportunities and, and, and as you go along, figuring out like, okay, this is the yes to this, no to this. And you just kind of lead out as you go and then, and then end up with, with this business. Yeah, absolutely. How long of a trajectory was it for you, like that winding road of really trying to get your footing and knowing for sure, like, this is it. This is my purpose. I'm good at this. This is my sweet spot. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's, I w- I've been in this business for a little over a year. And then about like nine months in is when I kind of pivoted or not. Yeah, I guess pivoted into from rather than just doing like general writing for people's businesses, whether that's writing blog posts or sales pages or whatever, to actually focusing on sales and launch copy. This is what I do. This is like where I can help people the most. Um, But before that, I was doing like just kind of freelance. So I did some graphic design, which now I'm like, I send that to a designer because that's not my area, Um, but all kinds of different like marketing tasks. And then I I think, like I said, you just kind of have to try a lot of different things. And then as you go, just continuously weed out until you find like, okay, this is the thing. Like, this is what I'm good at. This is where I can really help people. A hundred percent. And I have to say like experienced your work and also having worked with other copywriters prior to working with you, there was an immediate difference with um, you having such a clear pointed direction with 
sales copy and specifically with the launch um, kind of campaign, that email nurture sequence or anything that has to do with launching. And I noticed like, whoa, even copy that I had had other people take a look at, you were like, oh, boom, boom, boom. This is where you need like a stronger call to action or this is where you need to like have them self-identify more. And so I think there's such power in really being very specific with what you help entrepreneurs with. So how did you, was it from your uh, digital marketing degree that kind of allowed you to chisel down and say, what? like, this is a need for people. How did you really come to that specific um, genre of copywriting? I, so through, again, just like the kind of moments, I guess, of, of where things kind of fall into place. Um, one of the early clients that I got um, working just when I was doing just general copywriting was a launch strategist. And so she brought me on her team as a copywriter, which I didn't know anything about launching or sales copy at that point. Uh, but I learned like as I went, because she was doing the full launch strategy and then I was writing the, like the copy to go along with that. And so through that, I learned a ton. And this was like a, an ongoing like retainer client. So I was working with her for a long time and I learned so much from her. Um, and then from there, I really started to kind of, I guess I just, I kind of had to like burn my business down and look at like, these are the things that I like, these are the things that I'm good at. And these are the things that I like don't want to continue doing or that I, you know, are not my area, like my zone of genius. And so, you know, having that just almost like luck or, or coincidence of finding this particular client who was a perfect fit for me at that time really helped me to develop into what I'm doing now. I love that. I truly believe it's a part of our destiny, who we connect with and the learning opportunities. It's like this symbiotic relationship back and forth. I think that's amazing. I love it. And so for listeners that maybe have never had a copywriter and never really have even thought like, am I big enough to have assistance in this area? Uh, how would you explain to them the value of a copywriter? Yeah, so I would say if you're, there are several, as we've said, several different types of copywriters. So I would say be very specific in what you're looking for. Um, you know, if you're looking to have your website written, make sure that you find someone who specializes in website copy or someone who specializes in an email if that's what you're looking at. Um, but find someone who specializes in what you're looking for because, um, you know, as I learned, as I, as I went, uh, we're... A copy, copywriters are not all created equal and we're not all good at the same things. Um, and so definitely pay attention to that. Get specific on what you're looking for. And also, you know, I actually recommend that people wait to hire a copywriter outright to, to write their content for them because things change. You know, the, the, like hiring a copywriter to write for your business is it's an investment. And so when you hire someone to write a sales page, the idea is, you're going to spend a, a, a decent chunk of money to get that sales page written, but then it's something that you can use over and over and over, and it's going to bring a return on your investment every single time somebody goes to that page to check out. And so if you hire someone to write a sales page for you, and it's a brand new offer that you've never tested out, and then you, know, you pay all this money and then find out, well, my audience didn't even want this thing, so I'm not even going to offer this again, then it's, it's a waste of money. And so I would say be very clear and very sure that you're going to continue using this copy over and over and over again, or it's, it, it ends up being a, a, like not worth the, the investment. 
Absolutely. That's a really, really good point. And how do you distinguish between um, guiding a new client to having like done for you service where you're actually doing the writing for them and using their own voice where you're kind of guiding them through the process and it's more of a DIY approach? How do you distinguish where they should go? Like what, what path they should take in that fork of the road? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, you know, usually when I get on a call with somebody, it's those, like what I've, I've said are, are some of the questions that I ask them, you know, like, have you talked to your audience? Like, do you know this is actually what they want? Have you launched this program before? Is it a brand new offer that you've never, um, like tested out with anyone before? Because if that's the case, then probably, you know, I have another side of my business where it's more like, support supporting people as they write copy themselves and so then I'll kind of direct them in that way and then on the other hand um, if somebody's coming to me for for that more kind of DIY support but they have a full launch plan and they're trying to write the sales page themselves and I say you know maybe maybe it'd be a better idea for me to write this for you Um, so it really just depends on the, the person the person and kind of where their writing skills are I'm sure that that's like a part of it or is it more time you know I'm wondering the determining factors, like if someone's like, well, should I try to struggle through writing this, even though it's like not my forte? Or should I just say, you know what, like, let me turn it over to a professional who has like a way better grasp on this than I do? Yeah, that's a good question. So let me think about that. Um, I think that if someone is like totally, totally brand new to, to writing, my my answer usually has more to do with, with like how well you know your audience and how well you know your ideal clients. Because at the end of the day, the like writing skills involved in, in writing copy are like, it's, it's not about like, like being good with like grammar rules or being good with like, like like writing in the traditional, like writing an essay kind of thing. Um, It's really like copywriting is much more about listening and about being able to empathize and understand your audience and what they're looking for. And so I would say like the question is not so much about like their, their like level of writing skills or comfortable, like the, how comfortable they are with writing, but how well they know their audience. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it totally makes sense. 100%. It's funny because when someone has like a strong personality and they know their ideal client, like I'm thinking of one lady that I recently opted in and she's from the South and she has a little bit of a potty mouth. And it's so funny because nothing is grammatically correct at all, but she has a tremendous um, audience. She's just hit like on one of the top 100 podcasts. So she's charting and people love that genuine authenticity. And she just sounds like she's just a down home girl in the South saying it like it is you're her girlfriend. And I mean, it's just like amazing, you know? So I love that you talked about like knowing the ideal client. And I think that that coupled with your own self-confidence of like, this is who I am. Like, I'm not going to try to be anybody else to fit in. Um, I think is a winning formula for sure. The other thing that I've noticed, especially with the women that I work with is writing doesn't necessarily come easily, you know, especially because sometimes we're so close to our own situation. And many times, at least with the people that I have had the experience with coaching, um, there's that block of like, how do I sell my own stuff, especially if they are coaches and they're really selling themselves? Um, How do you help people overcome that like journey of navigating through showing the value, even though you're selling your own specific service, which many times, you know, people are in the service industry where it's just like them and their product offering. 
Right. So, okay, let me make sure I understand the question correctly. So, so how people can kind of take that, what, like convey the value, I guess, of what they do in, in a sales conversation. Yeah, especially when they're so close to it and they may already have a block about selling themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I come across that a lot with my clients. Um, and, you know, the, I think the most important thing to like kind of wrap your head around is the truth that what you are doing and what you have to offer is valuable and your ideal clients need to hear it. Like by selling your offers, by, by making it known what you, what you do and how people can work with you, you are being of service to people who need what you, what you're offering. Um, the other thing I think is it's always, always good to, and I, I keep going back to like market research and knowing your idle clients, but I like, it's so, so important. Um, like survey your audience, like send out surveys, ask them, you know, Hey, what like, what resonates with you about the things that I talk about? Or like, what do you love about X, whatever your topic is, or what is like your biggest struggle when it comes to whatever your topic is. And just, and like that will help you to pull out their words to know how they experience the thing that you do. Because especially for service-based businesses, you're an expert at what you do. And so the person coming to you who needs your help is not an expert at what you do. And so they have a totally different um, experience around whatever your topic is. And so you really need to kind of step back and, and like forget about your, like all the, the, I guess, jargon or all the uh, uh, things that kind of come naturally to you because it's your area of expertise and step back and really, really get to know what your ideal client or what your audience is experiencing around that topic. I love that. I love the tip of pulling. I think it's such a brilliant idea. And I also, um, the whole jargon thing, because we get so entrenched in some of the trite and trendy words. And um, I, it's really helpful to have somebody say, is that what really your people are up at night thinking about? Is that the problem that they're complaining to their bestie about? Like, are they really trying to say, gosh, I wish I had, and then insert whatever your jargon is. And I've chuckled a couple times in my own writing being like, yeah, nobody talks like that. Like (laughs) it looks okay on paper, but if you're going to read it out loud to a friend, it's kind of like, Hmm, I think I need to go back to the drawing board on that. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, I, you know, I always recommend that people read what they wrote out loud because it makes it just so much easier to hear like what it actually sounds like. And, and again, like, I I mean, it's always good to get a second opinion. Like if you can send it to even just a friend, um, if you don't have like a, you know, a copywriter or something like that, that you can have review your work. Um, It's always good to just get a second opinion. And also like, just kind of read through like line by line or sentence by sentence and say like, is this actually words that they would use? Or is this my like expert speak? Absolutely. And do you, are you a fan of like doing it in the reverse where you're actually speaking your uh, talk or your post or your email first and then having it transcribed? Do you, does it go the other way around as well? I, that's like, you can do it either way. I sometimes do this myself and I know a lot of uh, people in my audience do this, but like record themselves speaking and then have it transcribed and use that as like a starting point for like the first draft. Um, I've actually started doing that myself because so many of my clients told me that that's how they were doing it. And it really does help with, with just kind of like brain dumping all the ideas and having like a starting point to start. So I would say really either, either way, um, whatever kind of works best for your workflow. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes that gets the juices flowing in more of a storytelling way. I did have one client who was just brilliant in her field, like absolutely brilliant. And if you were to ask her in person, she'd be able to like chat with you. But when it came to actually seeing that blank Google doc with the cursor flashing of like trying to write it, it would only come out in like bullet points. So it was like feature, 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 bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And it was like really hard to get engaged in like the emotion of it. I'm wondering if you have any tips for people on how to tap into their heart, how to really start the juices flowing in a way that the reader can get engaged and and kind of like, how do I inject more emotion into my copy? Yeah. So I want to go back to what you said about um, this uh, client of yours who like has a really hard time when they're looking at like the blank screen, but they can talk about what they do when in the conversation. And so I actually recommended this to someone the other day. Um, but record your next discovery call. Like if you get on sales calls with clients and you have that conversation where you are, you're talking about what you do and you are, you know, essentially selling on that call. If that kind of conversation is much more comfortable than you than the written part, record that next time you do that. And then listen back to what you said, because that's like, that's what you need to communicate in, in your writing. If that's working for you, that written, I mean, that spoken conversation like learn how to translate that into writing, which starts with like transcribing that call. Um, Another tip is I, when I'm writing, I always work in two separate documents because there's just something about like looking at the blank screen of like, this is my sales page. And I know that the headline of the sales page is the most important text. And now I'm looking at a blank screen and I've got to write that first line. And it's really intimidating. And so I work in like, the official sales page document and then the brain dump document. And like, I dump out all my ideas of like, okay, this is who the ideal client is. This is who, like, this is the problem that they're experiencing or like, this is what their current situation feels like. And then the opposite of that, this is what they want to experience. Like this is a transformation they want to want to feel. And that those are kind of like the main pieces of a sales page that you need to get clear. And I just go and like, put those as headlines and just bring up all the ideas on, okay, this is who the ideal client is. This is the problem they're facing. And then that's not the sales page. So it's, there's like no pressure to, to get I love it right. That. And then you can yeah. go and pull what works and then like copy paste it onto the sales page and edit and refine it from there. That's amazing. I can see how that would be so effective for people that just get stumped looking at a white piece of paper. So it's just like you and your ideas, you know, flinging it down on the paper and pulling out what works. The other big piece to that is the framework. And I think for people that are stuck, having the framework with like the the big main ideas, like you said, those headlines or the subheads, um, they could be such a jumping point for people just simply having like what am I trying to convey? Who am I talking to? What are the five main points? So I love the fact that you're um, kind of showing people how to do framework and then flush it out from there. That's really effective. When you talk about transformation, I'm wondering if you have a story of a client that you saw the most transformation with um, through writing. Because writing can be a lot of things. It can be cathartic. It can be informative. It can be such a personal self-discovery journey. Like It's so much more than copy like to me I really feel like it's a it's a healing journey as well I don't know if you've experienced that or if you have a story you'd like to share about transformation and it it could just be that they had a five or six figure launch like I don't know what it is for you but I would love it if you could share a story of um, people's experience after they've gone through copywriting 
Yeah, for sure. So I, it's actually been really cool for me because I've, I've started working with clients in a different capacity now through my copywriter on call program, which is like for kind of DIY writers who a lot of them come in and they are not confident with their writing and they don't like, they don't feel like they know how to write. They don't know where to start. And so I really like working with clients in that way because rather than just me coming in and like writing it for them and sending it off and then they do their launch and that's it, I get to really be involved in like the writing process with them and help them to kind of not just have this like finished document that then they can like take and, and use, but they are also like they're involved in that writing process and they're getting like specific concrete feedback from me so they can take that and then not just for this piece of copy that we're working on together, but like now every single time they go and write something again, they are able to like take what they're learning, I guess, from by through this process and, and put it into, into words. And so I, you know, thinking about like a specific example, um, client of mine who was working on a sales page and just she was so like so caught up in like the grammar rules and like you know not wanting to sound like a cliche and um just and and not comfortable with writing just like bullet pointing out the features and like not really sure how to pull out emotion and just you know giving a few little tips here and there of like you know helping her to 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 I guess flip around the conversation and rather than her thoughts being focused on like, I'm not a good writer, but flipping it around to be focused on what do my idol clients need to hear. And, and just kind of seeing the way that she was able to transform, I guess, her approach to writing was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I totally experienced that as well. I mean, I was in the copywriter on call program with you for my last launch and it was so valuable. I truly enjoyed it. And like you said, it was literally skills that I can translate to other things like my blog posts or um, the next launch, you know, because it was kind of the methodologies. It wasn't just specifically for email one, you do this and email two. It was kind of like it allowed me to define my ideal client, which I've been doing for years. Like that's an exercise that is very in my mind all the time, but actually it allowed me to define them even in a different way because it pulled in how I communicate with them. And I realized, Oh, this is how they can self identify more. You know, I'm not speaking at them, even though it sounded nice before, but when you switched it just a little bit where it's like, now they're really involved. It made such a huge difference And I'll share a couple of the other things that I did, like, you know, not as optimal that you really pointed out. And one was, I think I didn't have as, as many emails in my launch sequence. It was like, I think that this is comfortable. I really don't want to be in their inbox, like too much. You probably get to, and I think through your gentle guidance, you were kind of like, people need to see this offer. Like they may not open their email up for a couple of days. And especially in the launch world, when we're at like a seven or 10 day launch span, um, you may miss them. You know, like I love the fact that you gave me permission to be repetitive because people need that sometimes. And the other big thing that stood out is the amount of call to actions or the amount of invites to go to your sales page or to go to the next step that you wanted your client. I would put one in, you know, and that was something I really learned from you. We were like, I think you could do like three. And I was be like, oh, you're right. Like throw it in a PS or do something. So anyway, those are just some of the personal experiences that I learned through your guidance. But I, I do think it's so invaluable. You put so much time and effort when you're launching your offering that just to have that extra support and service and expert eyes saying, 
if you shift it a little bit, it can make a really huge difference in the overall, you know, look and feel of your piece. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to hear all of that. So, you know, we've kind of debriefed on, on the experience, but that was really, yeah, really nice to hear those like concrete takeaways that you had. Um, and I think that, yeah, that idea of the, just the repetitiveness in general, whether it's the amount of emails, the amount of social posts or the number of calls to action, people almost like, I would say like 99% of the time when I look at somebody's kind of launch plan, it's, I would say it's not enough. You need way more content than that because we just, like, and again, it's, it's how close we are to, to our offering, like that we assume, well, I, I told them about it. I told them all the details in that email. And, and, but people like, they just think about like the number of emails that you get in your inbox every week and the number of, you know, especially if you're, I feel like if you're in the online business world, like if you're a B2B business owner, you're getting sold to all the time, like by, by this program, by this course, whatever. Um, and it, like we, to, in order to cut through the, that noise, even if somebody's really interested in what you have to offer, they've got like five sales emails about a similar program coming into their inbox, like every week or every day. Sure. Um, so yeah, so you really got to be repetitive and, and it's going to feel repetitive to you, but to your audience who's, you know, this is one in 20 emails that they get in a day or who one in like, you know, a hundred Instagram stories that they see every day. Like it's not repetitive for them. It feels like it to you, but it's not repetitive for them. Absolutely. And you mentioned Instagram and I'm wondering how much of using the social platforms you teach integrating into a launch I, so it's definitely important. I, my process is social media is kind of the last thing that I think about, but it's, it shouldn't be an afterthought if that makes sense. Um, so yes. I start by writing the sales page then I move on to the emails and then like, you don't have to write brand new, like pieces of copy for every single thing. Like almost every social media post that I either write or help a client write has already basically been written in the emails. Like it, it doesn't have to be like brand new content. You can almost copy paste a lot of what you wrote in the emails, but just, I would say, make sure that when you are launching, you are like in launch mode. So like the calls to action on your website, like if you have a, um, like a, like a bar at the top of your website or a, like a newsletter sign up or whatever that is, it's somehow related to either like the webinar that's triggering your launch or the, like the actual product or whatever it is. Um, and then your Instagram, like your call to action on Instagram is not go and look at my link tree and choose from a menu of things. It's go and do this thing that's related to the offer that I'm launching right now. So like make everything that you're doing about that offer, like no kind of fluff social media posts in the middle saying like, Hey, this is what I'm doing this weekend, which I mean, you can do that kind of stuff. That's not a big deal, but like, don't be like launching and then go and talk about like, you know, random tips that aren't related to the thing that you're launching. Like it's all focused in that one area. Absolutely. That's such good advice. Um, you have to be all in 100% focus, pave the way. So it's uber clear what you want your reader, visitor, fan to do next. Um, I love that. I think that that, yeah, that's brilliant. And also the piece of repurposing your content, you're spending so much time and energy weaving together your stories and, you know, the, the benefits and so forth of whatever your product or service is. And there's a lot of different creative ways to 
do just like splinter the content, repurpose it. And um, how do you do that? Do you batch it out? Like, do you have a specific way that you like to personally do it? Like, do you put together all of your emails? Like, say you're going to do 11 emails, not a random number. Do you kind of sit there and be like, I'm going to just crank these emails out and next I'm going to um, splinter the content for social? Or is it more like organic and in the moment? How do you personally like to batch the task? It's, um, it's interesting because I'm actually like in the middle of getting ready for launch myself right now. So I'm, I'm right in the middle of this. Um, but I, so I always start with the sales page because that's like, that's like the end point where all the content is like directing people. So I start by writing the sales page because that is like where we're headed. And so I need to get that really clear first. And then just my personal kind of preference for this is I next go to the emails and I, I map out like what I want to say at each stage of the launch and, and what's going to happen in each email. And then, then from there, it's a little bit more of an organic process. I don't necessarily write all those emails in order. I kind of write based on like what feels, feels good, I guess at the time or like what feels natural. Um, but I almost always get all the emails written and then go back and pull what would work for social media. And that's just, that's just my process. I'm sure there's lots of other different ways you could do that, but that's how it works best for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I think people, real life people are doing, you know, like, you know, that's why it's so like, people are like, on YouTube, like what I eat in a day. And I'm just like, how the heck do they have like 45 million people watching what they ate in a day? But it's true. Like people like to see the behind the scenes of like what the experts do. Like, how do you do it? Like, and speaking of that, do you have a morning routine? I know that that's like a super trendy thing too, where people love to peel back the layers and be like, how does Ellie start her day? Like what's her morning routine like? Yeah. So I like, I don't have a very, I guess, strict morning routine, like where I do the same thing every single morning, but I do make like the first two hours of the day are for me. So I kind of let it flow a little bit. Like sometimes I will just like sit on the porch and drink coffee and that's like what feels good to me at that point. Sometimes I'll journal, sometimes I'll go like to the gym first thing in the morning, but I kind of go with the flow, but in like whatever I want to do, um, if that makes sense. So, so rather than just like jumping right into work or, um, jumping into like doing things for other people, I make sure to take that time to like set, I guess, set intentions for the day, like have that downtime to myself and then set intentions. I really like that. Do you find that it does set you, set you up for success because you've kind of filled your cup up literally before you jump in and start kind of serving and in your work day? Yeah, I think it does. And I, um, you know, I, since I'm based in Spain and my clients are primarily in the U.S., I work, I don't work like normal hours, I guess. Like I tend to work later just because that's how the time zone works out. And so before I kind of started prioritizing my mornings for myself, I would get up and jump into work and then I'd work until like eight or nine o'clock because that's when I'm like, I'm working with, I'm on client calls at that time of day. And so by intentionally telling myself like, no, like you're not going to really have an afternoon off. You're going to work all afternoon. So you need to take the morning to yourself. And so sometimes I don't start working until like 12 o'clock, but then I work until eight. So it's like, I still got an eight hour day of working. Um, but I think that especially with that schedule that I have, it's so important to make sure that I take that time. And then also when I, when I do that and I kind of fit my work into a shorter period of time, I am able like if I still get it done, like the work still gets done when you, when you cut, like restrict your time. Um, so I think it works out well. 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love that you crafted your schedule specifically for you. I mean, that's one of the perks of being a solopreneur. We get to craft our own destiny, craft our own schedule. I mean, and if we don't, we can just really head towards burnout if there aren't boundaries, if we don't set ourselves up for successfully. This is when I'm going to shut the box down because there's always an inbox. There's always clients that have something that they really need your expert eyes on. So I think, you know, to help us do business better, um, how you've set your day up is just such a great pointer for people to put those soft boundaries on. I love it. So what exciting things do you have coming up on the docket that we can support? Well, uh, so I've got a challenge coming up and I think that this is going to air in time. Uh, but if, if I have a challenge coming up on June 17th. It's a five day challenge where I'm going to be walking people through writing a welcome sequence for your business. And so we'll kind of go through the steps of, similar to to what we've talked about in terms of that launch email sequence, but it's it's for brand new subscribers to your list and it's um, and, I mean it is helping you sell your offers through through that welcome sequence, but not in such a I guess intense way as uh, as we have talked about with the launch copy. And so that's a five day challenge. It starts on June seventeenth. And like I said, I'll be walking you through the process of creating your welcome sequence and helping you get it all set up by the end of the week. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I can't wait to share that link in the show notes. I know that um, that's been a very mysterious thing for many solopreneurs is, you know, what happens after that initial delivery of my email, what do I do next? And many people don't do anything next. So I think it's such a valuable challenge that you're doing to continue the conversation, building the relationship and having this open sense of communication with your new friend that just said, Hey, I like what you do. I kind of dig your style. So I'm super excited to share that link. And um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to learn more, whether it's for the challenge? Um, is it your website link? Yeah, so you can find more at my website, which is ellierunkles.com. And then I'm also on Instagram is where I online most uh, more than anywhere else. So and um, that's Ellie Runkles, like at Ellie Runkles on Instagram. Okay, awesome. Super cool. I will make sure to share those links in the show notes. And Ellie, it's been such a pleasure. I know that you really help people dig into their heart and bring out what they truly want to communicate with their audience. And I think communication, as we know, is one of the most effective ways to build relationship. So I love the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been so much fun. Absolutely. Take it easy. Thanks. Bye. Yep. See ya. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.